everyone, I'm Noelle, and this is the X-Men Unraveled podcast. This week, I am really excited to start getting into the story of everyone's favorite cranky dude, Wolverine. Figuring out which order to read his comics and appearances in chronologically has been a little bit of a bitch. I went through so many different lists trying to figure out how to get everything in order, but I also realize I can't complain about the difficulties of this chronological approach in every episode. I have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> so I won't mention it every time, I promise. Wolverine is a pretty popular member of the X-Men. He has obviously been a huge part of the X-Men movies and really became the glue holding the whole franchise together. He's even got his own official Marvel podcast, which if you haven't heard, I highly recommend. It's a fun listen. It's a scripted story with great voice actors and Richard Armitage, who is Thorin in the Hobbit movies, plays the part of Wolverine. Definitely check it out if you haven't heard it yet. But while the movies do get into Wolverine's origins, there's plenty of differences from the comics and obviously way more stories that were not included. And since we don't know what Marvel is going to do now that they have the rights to the X-Men for the movies, I think it's a good time to cover what he's done in the comics. Because even though Hugh Jackman was perfect as Wolverine, I have a hard time imagining they won't include him in the MCU. He's just too popular of a character. Personally, I want Richard Armitage to just move from the podcast to the movies. I think he'd be great, uh, but that's just my opinion. Please don't come for me over it. Um, that's just my dream, personally. <laughs> Wolverine has an enormous backstory in the comics because he's been such a popular member of the team almost since his introduction, so I think this is going to be a fun look at his life. One thing I've really enjoyed in reading the comics is learning how characters are created, and the classic Wolverine character... Short, retractable claws, yellow suit, horn-like headpiece, actually emerged as the end result of what essentially became a group project. It involved Marvel editor-in-chief Roy Thomas, writer Leonard Wine, and artists John Romita Sr., Herb Timpey, Dave Cockburn, and Gil Kane. Thomas and Wine brought the concept of Wolverine as a Canadian government agent to Romita to design, and in an interview, Romita revealed that he had to refer to the encyclopedia to find out what a wolverine was. He is quoted as saying, At the time, I thought a wolverine was a female wolf. One of wolverine's defining features is his short stature, which also came from Romita's encyclopedia search as it defined a wolverine as a small, ferocious creature. Wolverine made his first appearance not in the X-Men series, but in The Incredible Hulk number 181 in 1974, and in that issue he was drawn by Herb Timpey from Romita's design. But when he made his appearance in Giant Size X-Men in 1975, Dave Cockburn penciled the issue, but illustrator Gil Kane did the cover. Kane, by accident apparently from what I read, made Wolverine's headpiece larger, and Cockburn liked what Kane had drawn, and so he kept it for the rest of the issue. And that is how the classic yellow-suited Wolverine came to be. Just like with his appearance, Wolverine's backstory has emerged through the work of many writers over time. The comics return often to this perennially popular character, and because of his long life stemming from his powers, he has lots of years to fill with stories. 
Today, I'm covering the series Wolverine The Origin from 2001 and 2002, and this tells the story of Wolverine's life from the time he is a child through young adulthood. He experiences family tragedy, the sudden and shocking emergence of his powers, and a life in a rough Canadian mining town. Not to mention heartbreak over a pretty green-eyed redhead, because this guy has a type. She looks exactly like Jean Grey. And in the next few episodes, I'll cover the following decades of Wolverine's life up to World War II. One thing about Wolverine is that his story is pretty much filled with tragedy after tragedy. Honestly, this guy cannot get a break, so be prepared for that. And I do briefly mention suicide in this episode, so I just want to make anyone listening aware of that before I dive into the story. First, I want to recap the movie version from X-Men Origins Wolverine, because that's actually where I heard his story first, and I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, that might be where you did too. And really, only the first five minutes of the movie is relevant today, but there's a pretty glaring difference to clear up. Specifically, that the mutant known as Sabretooth, real name Victor Creed, is his half-brother in the movie. So the movie starts when Wolverine is a young boy, and after a tragic event involving the murders of both Sabretooth and Wolverine's fathers, the two boys learn that they are half-brothers. They run away after the incident, fighting in wars, going on adventures, and ultimately having a major falling out. The story about Logan's childhood trauma in the movie is almost identical to the comics, but they replaced a character from the comics with Victor Creed. In the comics, Sabretooth is not a part of Wolverine's childhood and is definitely not his brother. They meet later in Wolverine's life. So, with that recap of his movie life, let's dive into what the comics say. Most of us probably know Wolverine best as Logan from the movies, but his real name is actually James Howlett. Logan is the name he takes on after his traumatic uh, childhood events that he has to escape. That does mean that I'm probably going to refer to him as either Logan or James, depending on what part of the story I'm talking about. Just want to mention that in case I go back and forth, but I think it'll all make sense as we move along. When Wolverine the Origin opens, our boy is a long way from becoming the adamantium-clawed mutant we all know and love. Instead, he is a sickly boy named James Howlett living in Alberta, Canada. He was born in the 1880s, and this series doesn't give an exact year that he was born in, um, but in X-Men Prelude to Schism, he is said to be nine years old in 1891, meaning he would have been born about 1882. This is also later than is shown in the movie because he is depicted as participating in the U.S. Civil War, which is about 20 years before he's born in the comics. So just something to note there. James's family is super wealthy and live on a large estate, and they gained their fortune through mining copper. But their material wealth aside, his family is a little bit messed up. Uh, what family isn't? And let's go over the cast of characters really quick. His mother is Elizabeth Howlett, who is suffering from mental illness after the death of James's older brother. At one point, she is sent to a mental hospital, and she pretty much keeps to herself on the estate. His father is John, and he seems like a genuinely nice guy. 
but he is always dealing with his own father, the overbearing, cold, and cruel patriarch of the family. James alternates between trying to be a regular kid and being laid up due to his chronic illness, which just gets referred to vaguely as allergies. Whatever his illness is, it takes a huge toll on his life, and he has to be watched over carefully, and he's unable to do a lot of things that a normal kid would be able to do. A 12-year-old girl named Rose O'Hara, who was left orphaned after her parents died of influenza, comes to live at the estate as James's companion slash babysitter slash nurse. She is the one who narrates a lot of the series. Another resident of the estate is Thomas Logan. He is the groundskeeper and basically a cruel drunk. He treats his son like absolute shit and doesn't even give him a real name. He just calls him Dog. So that's how he gets referred to throughout the series. Thomas beats his son regularly, takes out his drunken anger on him, and really doesn't seem to care about him or his well-being at all. But James and Dog become friends, and once Rose comes to the estate, they all spend their time together in the summer, until one day there is an incident between James and Dog that leads to serious repercussions for everyone at the estate. It's a small event, but basically sets up the rest of the story. One day, James and Dog are out by a pond on the property, and James teases Dog about liking Rose. Dog gets mad and shoves James into the pond. Nothing major. Sounds like a pretty typical thing to happen between young kids, uh, but James isn't able to swim. He's never really been able to go in the water because it sets off his chronic illness. Again, it's not clearly spelled out what it is or what it causes, um, but he is at risk of drowning. Dog jumps in and saves James and then gets him back to the house to be taken care of. John, James's dad, says that it's just something that happens with kids and doesn't really make a big deal about it. Thomas Logan, however, Dog's father, beats Dog for what he did and reminds him that they are a different class from the Howlets. He says that Dog should keep away from them because they don't have anything in common. And to make things worse, Thomas also starts Dog drinking. After this whole event, Dog starts having less and less to do with James. He gets to the point that if he even sees James coming in his general direction, he will run off and refuse to speak to him, have anything to do with him at all. And so his isolation, abuse, and drinking turn Dog more and more like his cruel father as the years go on. Rose O'Hara continues working for the family, taking care of household chores, and watching over James. One day, she accidentally interrupts Elizabeth Howlett while another servant is helping her dress, and Rose sees long scars from claw marks down Elizabeth's side. Elizabeth screams at Rose, and she has to run away without any answers. The exact details are never really given, but it's assumed that the claw marks are from James's deceased older brother, and that would mean that he was a mutant with powers similar to Wolverine but why he attacked his mother and how he died are not told in the series. I tried to look it up and see if the details were given anywhere else, but I didn't really come up with more than that. There is an alternate universe version of the brother's story, so maybe I'll dig into that another time. But this is where we start getting the sense that there's more going on with Elizabeth than has been revealed so far. When James and the other kids get older, probably teenagers, Dog Logan starts harassing Rose. He follows her, stares at her, just being an overall creep, and Rose is kind of freaked out, tries to keep her distance from him, obviously. 
But one day, Dog comes across Rose alone outside the house. He grabs her and makes inappropriate and threatening remarks. James, though, happens to be nearby and manages to get Rose away from Dog. When John Howlett finds out about the incident, he confronts Dog's father. John says that Thomas needs to control his son and that behavior cannot be allowed to happen again. Thomas predictably beats his son over the incident, and Dog blames James for what happened to him since he caught him harassing Rose. In retaliation, Dog waits for James to be outside alone with his pet dog, Callie, who he had gotten for Christmas. Dog attacks James, and when Callie tries to protect him, Dog kills her in front of him. It's horrible. I was so upset when I got to that part of the story, and obviously James is devastated. This violence leads John Howlett to fire Thomas Logan for his son's actions, which finally sends Thomas over the edge. He's always been bitter against the wealth and privilege of the Howlett's and plans to take out his revenge over being fired. He doesn't even really seem like he blames Dog um, for this incident. All his anger is directed at the Howlett's. Thomas makes his son join him in attacking the Howlett residence. They bring guns and force Rose to lead them through the house to Elizabeth's room. There's something between Thomas and Elizabeth because when he shows up and grabs her, she doesn't see who he is at first. She just tries to scream, but once she realizes who it is, she calms down. Thomas tells her that he is leaving and that she's going to go with him. But her husband comes into the room before she can really say much and asks Thomas what the hell he's doing. Thomas then hits John Howlett in the head with the handle of his gun and knocks him to the floor. He gets up to confront Thomas, but just then James walks in to see what all the noise is and happens to witness either Thomas or Dog shoot his father. Later in the story, it seems to be implied that Dog was the one who did it, but I thought it was Thomas. Either way, Dog then nearly shoots James because he's crying and yelling and the Logans want him to shut up but Rose pushes the gun away just in time. James runs after Thomas and attacks him. Thomas goes to shoot James, but realizes he's been stabbed in the abdomen and doesn't have any idea what happened. Dog also gets hurt in a struggle and has three deep cuts across his face. It turns out that the stress of the situation has caused James's power to manifest, and he has claws coming out of the back of his hands. When he went after Thomas, he stabbed him without even knowing he'd done it or what had happened to him. He's just shocked and terrified because he has no idea what's going on. He didn't realize he'd hurt Thomas, and he just watched his father die. James's mother, though, saw the whole thing happen and screams, Not again, not you. She then slaps James and pushes him away when he tries to come near her and calls him an animal and a monster. James runs away out of the house, and Rose goes after him. Then Elizabeth takes one of the guns and kills herself. It's never actually stated in the series, but it's implied that Thomas Logan and Elizabeth had an affair and that James is actually Thomas Logan's son. James does grow up to look almost exactly like Thomas, and the Marvel.com bio does say that Thomas is his biological father, but it's not stated explicitly here in this comic series. It also leads to the question of who passed on the X gene that led to the mutation in James and his older brother. It seems like she had the older son with John Howlett and then James from her affair with Thomas, and this means that Elizabeth would be the one passing on the X gene, rather than Thomas Logan. But after the murders, Rose and James are hiding out, and James suddenly starts having trouble remembering things. 
He doesn't even clearly know what happened to his family, and he almost doesn't recognize Rose. It could just be from the trauma, but it's more likely the combination of the trauma with his emerging powers. Rose and James don't know what to do, so they go back to the house for help, where they run into James's grandfather. He is as mean as ever and tells them to get out of there and calls James an abomination. He gives them money, tells them to take a train out of Alberta, and warns them that if either of them are seen at the estate again, they will be shot. Lovely guy. But what Rose and James don't know is that Dog was still at the house and told the police that it was Rose who shot the Howlets. And Dog apparently gets to stay working on the estate for the grandfather. Rose and James take a train, and on the ride, James's wounds start to heal on their own, but his mental state is getting worse. He seems to not know what happened, what they're doing, or even who he is, so Rose has to keep reminding him. Eventually, they arrive in Yukon Territory in northern Canada to stay hidden and as far away from everyone as they can. It's a place where people go to either try and find gold or escape their past, so it seems like a good plan to them. They make it to a small quarry town where Rose is hired to run the office while James gets hired on carrying rocks, basically. When the quarry foreman asks James for his name, Rose interrupts, tells him that his name is Logan and he is her cousin. Logan works pushing a cart of stone from the quarry all day. He does seem to be improving from his frail state now that his powers have emerged, but it's obviously a much more difficult life than he ever had at the Howlett estate. For some reason, the camp's cook, Cookie Malone, has it out for Logan and starts tormenting him. He's mean and a bully, so it's probably just that Logan is young and seems weak. One day, James is bringing a cart full of stones uh, from the quarry, and Cookie pushes it off a hill, spilling the rocks out everywhere. And another time... While James is starving, Cookie taunts him with food, and when James goes to pick it up off the ground, Cookie attacks him. James is only saved when the foreman, Smitty, sees what's happening and tells Cookie to stop. Cookie is a huge guy, and Smitty seems to be the only person he is afraid of, so he actually leaves Logan alone for a bit. Time passes in the camp, and Rose, who is narrating, says that they've been there for two summers, but they both look like they've aged into adults very quickly, uh, which is made really clear by an unnecessary scene of Rose bathing in a lake. It's hard to nail down an exact age for them at this time, but Rose was 12 at the start of the story, and she says at one point she lived with the Howlett family for a few years. So if we just go with five years at the Howlett's, two years in the camp, she'd be 19 at this point. James started out seeming like he was younger, not by much, and it was hard to tell because he was smaller than average because of his illness. So let's just go with they're both 19 now. By this time, James has become more adapted to their life in the harsh camp and landscape. He's able to hunt, which helps them out with extra food because Cookie still has a vendetta against him and is never fair about rationing out food. He does attack Logan again, this time trying to frame him for stealing food, and once again, Logan is saved by Smitty, who steps in and beats up Cookie. Then he tells Logan that he needs to start standing up for himself. But Logan runs into the forest to escape, and he kind of seems afraid of what he might do if he did lose control and stand up for himself. While he's out there, though, he is surrounded by a pack of wolves, but he shows them his claws, 
which seems like the first time since the night his parents died um, that he had used them at all. And the wolves see that and they don't attack him. And at this point, Logan basically becomes an honorary member of the wolf pack. He hunts with them and spends days at a time in the forest with them. And at first, it just seemed really weird to me, but I think I just got used to it by the time I got through the story. There's something mentally or emotionally that makes Logan something of a loner, and he seems to have this animal instinct or nature that stems from his powers, which makes him more comfortable in nature and with the wolves. But at the same time, things start going well for him in the town, too. He ends up recruited by Smitty to work with Dynamite because his last worker who did that lost his fingers. Because of this, the two of them seem to build a pretty good relationship, and seems to be why Smitty has always looked out for him and defended him against Cookie's bullshit. Logan also starts socializing more with the other members of the camp, and he ends up getting the name Little Smitty because he's like Smitty's shadow. Cookie, though, gets jealous of how popular Logan becomes in the camp, and so he sabotages the dynamite that Logan is going to use by cutting the fuse short. So when Logan goes to use the dynamite the next day, it goes off too soon and causes a huge cave-in, trapping him and a number of other miners. Those outside the mine believe that everyone has been killed, but Logan manages to survive and save a young boy's life as well. He used his own body as a shield to protect the boy from all the falling debris. Logan finally loses his temper with Cookie after he catches him trying to steal the belongings of men that died in the explosion. Logan easily beats him without using his claws. Uh, by this time, he's been working in a quarry for two years, and his power that he doesn't seem very aware of, or at least what they're doing, um, that makes him stronger anyway by this point. Feeling like life is finally good, he's got his wolf friends, his human friends, he beat up his enemy. He goes home to find Rose, but catches her and Smitty kissing. He's hurt, apparently having developed his own feelings for Rose by this time, and he goes back out to the woods to get away from everyone and run with the wolves. He then fights one of the wolves, who's apparently the leader of the pack, and he wins, and now Logan is like the alpha wolf. I don't know. This part of the story is still weird to me. While all this is going on at the camp, James's grandfather is back in Alberta on his deathbed and regrets sending James away because he has no more family left. He had the police track where James went and paid them off so they wouldn't go after him or Rose, and then he sends someone to go find James. Unfortunately, that person turns out to be Dog Logan, who's still working on the estate. And of course, Dog doesn't feel like he did anything wrong in his past and blames Logan for everything that happened. Back at the camp, Rose tells Logan that she and Smitty are leaving for Vancouver, where Smitty has a job lined up and the two of them are planning on getting married. Logan is heartbroken and takes it out by being mad and yelling at Rose. And, you know, it's just not really fair of Logan. He's gone with the wolves so much, he didn't even know Rose started a relationship with Smitty. So, you know, he wants her to be there for him, but uh, it's not like he's reciprocating. Just saying. Smitty, though, doesn't actually have enough money for the train to get himself and Rose to Vancouver. And he's unable to sell enough stuff that he has to get the cash, so he signs up for a cage match to try and win 200 bucks. 
When Logan is sitting in the bar and sees Smitty signing up, he adds his name just to fight Smitty in retaliation for Smitty's relationship with Rose. Logan does really well in the fights, and the spectators see how viciously he fights and call him Wolverine. Because, you know, they had to get that in the story somehow. And according to Wikipedia, Wolverines do live in Alaska and Canada, so it makes sense. Logan also gets his chance to beat Cookie's ass during the fight as well. By this time, though, Dog has slunk into the town without anyone knowing who he is or Rose and James realizing he's there. And he had given Cookie a set of brass knuckles to beat Logan with. And he thinks that Cookie will be able to kill Logan in the fight. But Logan still wins pretty easily. He contemplates for a moment killing Cookie, but he doesn't go through with it, you know, because we all know he's he's a good guy inside. The final round of the fight, of course, ends up being Logan and Smitty. As they're getting ready to fight, Logan tells Smitty he's pissed about him taking Rose away and that he's the one who loves her. But Smitty says that if Logan really loved Rose, he'd be trying to make her life better. And this apparently causes Logan to reconsider the situation, and he decides to throw the fight so Smitty can get the money and take Rose to the city. After the fight, the two men reconcile, and Smitty says that Logan will be made foreman of the quarry after he's gone. Once again, for a moment, Logan feels like everything is going to be okay. He's come to terms with Rose, he's made his own place in the mining town, um, but of course, this isn't going to last. Dog, who's really mad Logan wasn't killed in the fight, comes upon Logan as he's leaving the fights and attacks him. Obviously, he's not planning on taking him back to his grandfather. Dog starts talking about the night uh, Logan's parents died, and Logan reveals that he didn't remember what had happened and thought for all these years since that he had been the one to kill his own father that night. Of course, not knowing who his real father was, he really did kill his father, but he thinks that he had killed John Howlett. The two of them go after each other, but Logan gets the upper hand and is ready to kill Dog, basically. But Rose has showed up at this point and rushes in to try and stop the two from killing each other. Unfortunately, she runs in between them just as Logan is trying to stab Dog with his claws, and she ends up being the one impaled on them instead. The next scene is Smitty out in the forest trying to find Logan. He's calling out that he's sorry, he wants Logan to come back, and that they should be there for each other now that Rose is gone. But Logan hides and leaves with the pack of wolves. And that is the early years of Logan's life. It's a really sad story. No one really comes out happy in the end. Um, but it does reveal a lot of aspects about Logan that show up later in his life. His memory is clearly affected at a young age. It's somewhat implied that his mind tries to heal from mental trauma by making him unable to recall tragic events. And this is obviously something that will go on to plague him throughout his life. Then, of course, we've got his unrequited love of a green-eyed redhead, which plays out later again in his love triangle with Jean Grey. And one other thing that's actually more fun that I didn't mention before is that his pal Smitty refers to people as bub, which becomes a word that Logan will go on to use all the time and kind of becomes one of his catchphrases. So the series does give a lot of insight into the origins of things that are going to come up throughout Logan's life. 
Overall, I thought it was a good series. Not the most fun to read because it's just so tragic, but it, it was good. It's a good read. The artwork is really cool. And in the next episode, I will pick up with the next era of Logan's life, but don't expect any happy endings then either. There's a reason that Logan has so much trouble remembering his past throughout his life. There's just so many painful parts that his mind is trying to heal itself from, and so he forgets them. After this, Logan also starts running into more familiar characters, like Sabretooth, who I mentioned earlier, and another villain from one of the recent episodes of the podcast. So from here on out, we'll start filling in the X-Men universe more, um with recognizable characters. As always, thank you so much for listening. I started this project not sure really what I was getting myself into or if anyone would like this crazy idea. So I appreciate everyone who has listened. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave me a review and subscribe to help more people find it. Or feel free to tell somebody about it the old-fashioned way if you think they might enjoy it as well. That's all for today. Uh, go watch something happy if you need to after hearing Logan's sad origin story. Bye. Bye.